uh, maybe we should get interpretation on woo. Doki <laughs> 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 for holy, holy, holy. Oh man. <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's so good. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, my name is Kaylin. <laughs> oh, most people call me Kay. That's a lot easier. It's only one syllable instead of two. Um, <clears throat> so, or Crockett. I like Crockett. It's like proclaiming I'm a pioneer, you know. So. Oh, man. You guys ready to receive the word this morning? All right. Do you guys feel like God can teach you something you've never heard before? Me too. Oh, Holy Spirit, I just ask you for something I've never heard before. God, I ask for your spirit of revelation and power in this room right now. God, would you speak to me? I want to say stuff I've never heard before, Holy Spirit. I yield myself to you as a vessel. God, I pray you would make me a vessel that is untainted by my soul and untainted by my flesh. I don't want to say anything unless it's come from your mouth, Father God. And I thank you when I speak your words, I release the power and the atmosphere in which you spoke those words. God, I just invite you here, and I thank you for speaking to every single person here. In Jesus' name, if you want to, would you just pray this with me? Would you say, Father God, would you speak to me? I ask for revelation that will build trust. And I'm I'm expecting to hear from you today. In Jesus' name. All right. Awesome. I just want to uh, start with a little, I'm going to start with the rabbit trail. Um, It's a good way to start, right? But I just want to read this really quick. And it's in Mark 7, 24 through 25. And it said, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not know and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. And this is the woman, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the woman who came and, uh, you know, the whole thing about the bread and the, under, the crumbs under the table. You guys know that one. Well, anyways, what I want to bring out here is that Jesus entered this house. Jesus entered a house. And so his presence was in that house, right? A lot, we, all the time we talk about his presence. We want his presence here, you know? And, uh, but Jesus walked in the, in the house, and his, so his presence was there. Right now my presence is standing here behind this podium, right? Does that make sense? And so Jesus' presence was in that house, okay? And so this woman heard that Jesus was in that house. And so she came because her daughter needed freedom. Okay, and so she was so hungry and desperate for Jesus that she was willing to take anything she could get, even the scraps from under the table. And so what I want to bring out is that this woman came for one reason, and that was because Jesus was in the house. Right? She wasn't distracted by the house. She didn't come because she was walking by, and she's like, oh, that's such a nice house. I'm going to go into it. You know, or I like the sound of that house. Or, I like the look of that house. She went in for one reason, and that's because Jesus was in that house. Right? And so she came into that house where his presence was and she fell at his feet. 
And she received healing for her daughter, you know, which we know is healing for her too, right? <clears throat> and so I, I do not want to do anything to get in the way of the person that came into the house for the reason that Jesus is there. You know, I don't want anything that I do, any of my schedule, any, anything that I do to get in the way of the woman who has fallen at the feet of Jesus. Because I think for one sec that she's there for any reason than Jesus being there. Does that make sense? No. All right. So I just, I want that atmosphere here all the time. We're here for that one reason. That's because Jesus entered the house. And you know what? That's what draws people. People are going to come because they hear Jesus is here. No other reason. That's the one reason. That's the only reason I want. So, okay. So, you want to hear something really cool? So, I've known for like two months, something like that, that I was supposed to speak. And uh, this whole time, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to talk about, you know. And came up last week. I didn't have anything. You know, I could feel it in there, but it was just like, hadn't come together. It was like Willy Wonka, you know, where he sends the guy in the TV, and like his particles are floating through the air. You know what I mean? And so it was like, the particles are there, and I know there's a substance there, but it's not coming together, you know? And so, uh, (laughs) um, but this morning, still, I, I didn't have it, you know? And I got up at like five this morning, and just worshiped, and sat down, started writing it, Turns out I had all along. And the cool thing was, I like I didn't even really have to write new notes. I just kind of combined my notes. But the cool thing was, it, it, it came out of my intimate times with God the past year or so. You know, all from a year to all the way up to now. Which I think is really cool, you know. I don't, I don't want to study to teach. I want to study to learn. And I want to study to know God. I want to study to show myself approved. So, so what I want to share with you today is about identity, value, and strength. Okay? Um, identity is who you are. Value is how much you're worth. And strength is the source that you draw from to do a task and to do life. And so we need to make sure that we are obtaining all three of those from God. And if, if in any of those areas we aren't drawing that from God, then we're out of balance, right? And we need to, to have a shift, you know? And so our framework needs to be founded in God in all of those areas. <clears throat> and uh, so about a year ago, um, it started about October a year ago, God took me through this, this process. It was this really deep uh, painful healing process. It was kind of like a soul fast. Um, he pulled me out of, uh, I took a break from worship, um, I separated from some relationships and stuff. And in that time, God did a really, really deep work. Um, one of the deepest works that he'd done in my walk with him to that point. And <clears throat> uh, during this time, uh, towards the beginning of it, I was in worship and God spoke to me and he said, I'm healing your bones. And I was like, Oh, thanks. That's cool. You know. <laughs> and then he said again, I'm healing your bones so you don't walk with a limp anymore. And so I, I wrote that down. Um, later, I was kind of looking into it, and I realized that bones are your framework. They're your essence, 
your core, the most deeply ingrained part. And so in this process, God healed my bones. And so he removed the wrong things that I was pulling my identity from and replaced it with his word. And uh, he did that with the process of, of the word, a pruning process by the word. I don't know if any of you remember Greg teaching on pruning and grapes and all that. Those of you who go to our church, really good. It's still on the internet if you want to listen to it. Um, but it, that's what it was. It was God pruning me. Um, and he was taking away all the stuff that was making me unfruitful. And so it was really painful. But I, after that, I, I felt more free than I ever had before, you know, in everything. And uh, even in, like, playing drums, you know, like every, everything that was hindered, I was finally able to flow in that gift and just let the Holy Spirit play through me, you know, even stuff like that. And so it's so worth it. And so I can tell you from experience that when God asks you for the, the deep, hard things, the most painful things he asks you for, it's so worth it to hand it over. It's so worth it to give it to him because you can trust him with it. And when he has access, he heals. So it's so worth it to give him access. <clears throat> All right, so, um, so during that time, God worked in me in lots of different areas. Uh, but one of the biggest things he dealt with me was with jealousy. And uh, um, that was something I really struggled with. And, but he gave me so much revelation on it. And with, with this word, you know, Romans 12, 2 says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? And so in that process, God transformed the way that I think. And, and through that process, I got so much victory over that. And so I don't have time to go into that. Um, but I just want to say if any of you uh, struggle with jealousy or anything, you come talk to me later. Because I've got, like, all these notes of stuff that I can share that God showed me. And it works. It works for me. The word works. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's start digging. Are you guys good with that? Start digging a little bit. All right. So let's start digging into this concept of identity, value, and strength. So let's start in Matthew 5, verse 3. This is the first line of the Sermon on, uh, sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes. And it says, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God. Or theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So another version says. So um, when I hear poor in spirit, you know, I might think of uh, like physical need or, or a lack of provision or something. That's totally not what poor in spirit is. It's totally not poverty. Um, it's not a lack of provision. It's not oppression. It's not religion or beating myself or false humility. What my understanding is, correct me if you guys think this is incorrect, but to me, poor in spirit is just a continual awareness of need in regards to my continual need of God. Is that right? Okay, sweet. just want to stay submitted to my leadership. <laughs> uh, okay, and so, oops, I just messed up my... There we go. Okay, so it's a revelation that apart from God, I can do nothing. And so like I said earlier, my identity, value, and strength cannot be pulled from how God used me. It can't be pulled from the positions that I'm in. It can't be pulled from the measure of anointing that I move in at any point in time. Um, it can't be pulled from the words of affirmation that I, I receive from people. Or the kudos that I get, even when I'm doing stuff for God. <clears throat> it can't be a, 
pulled from compliments. It can't be pulled from the wisdom or revelation that I obtain. So all these things are awesome. It's part of our walk. It's so good. But I must acknowledge my continual need for God. So um, I am uh, going to be married in a little over a month. I'm 27. Finally. (laughs) You're like, you're such a baby. You look like you're 16. It's okay. It happens all the time. Um, But I am learning so much, and I'm still a complete rookie, but I'm uh, already learning about a relationship that I've never experienced before. And uh, I'm just going to be real transparent with you guys. Is that okay? Good? Okay. Um. So in this this learning process, uh, we've been doing uh, our pre-marriage counseling. And at the last one, um, they said something to me that was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you had to tell me that. <laughs> they, were, they said, um, they said um, okay, it's okay to be a woman. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is, and you're laughing at me. You're like, well, yeah. But, but no, that, that like sent some fear running through me, you know, because, because I had this thing that it was like weak and, you know, it was messed up. Well, with, uh, I'm glad you guys are laughing. (laughs) That'd be really awkward if you weren't. Um, so no, so he said, it's okay to show your feminine, feminine side my girly side it's okay to show my girly side and express emotion because that's the way god made me you know and he said actually you walking in that role of the woman is essential to your natural communication in that relationship and i was like whoa that's intense so all that awkward stuff to say that in our relationship with god we we have to be the bride we have to completely rely on him as our strength, as our protector, you know. And so that's such an awesome, so awesome he gave us that picture here, you know, um, so that we have something to go off of. All right. So so in that place um, of a poor in spirit where we're, we're trusting God with everything, I got to return all compliments back to Jesus' praise. I got to thank the Father for every good thing in my life because it's a gift from his hand. Uh, the depths of my being must know that it's only by gr- the grace of God that I go, and I must have a deep awe and awareness of the mercies of God. It must be continually, that must continually put me on my face. Without the grace of God, I can do nothing. Without his mercy, we would be destroyed. So my identity is in him, my value is in him, my strength is only from him. And so he's worthy of all of us. He's worthy of every part. And where I give him access, he heals. So I'm going to give him my whole heart. All right. So that's what I had on strength. You guys good? All right. All right. um, So let's roll into identity. So strength was... Horn spirit, my continual acknowledgement of need for him. All right, identity. I'd never seen this before, so I'm excited to share this with you. Um, okay, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1 through 3. says, Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. 
that knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. All right, so I like to break stuff down and uh, nerd out and look at the concordance and look at the Greek, uh, the original um, language. Um, I get so much revelation by doing that. It's, so, it's all on my iPad right now. It's so cool. Um, okay, so the, the Greek word for knowledge, uh, gnosis, is uh, defined as knowledge signifies in general intelligence understanding the general knowledge of Christian religion for the deeper, more perfect, and the large knowledge of this religion such as belongs to the more advanced. To me, that sounded kind of like the Pharisees, you know. They had a knowledge of the religion. Bless you. Um, okay, puffs up is a Greek word, phuseu. Obviously not a Greek scholar here. Um, to inflate, blow up, to cause to swell up, to puff up, make proud, uh, to puff up, to bear oneself loftily and be proud. The word love in that verse is agape. We all know what agape is, right? All right. Um, builds up is to build a house, erect a building, to build up from a foundation, to restore by building, to rebuild and repair. Or it's also a metaphor for establishing. Okay. So I put all of that in here. I made my own amplified version. Okay. So verse 1, with all that stuff added. Now about food sacrificed to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, which is a general understanding of all things lawful and unlawful for Christians. And knowledge, this general understanding of things lawful and unlawful for Christians, puffs up and inflates and swells up without substance. It makes proud, causes to bear oneself loftily, Causes to be proud. But love, agape, the God kind of love, much more than a liking or a brotherly phileo love, builds up, which is like the building of a house, the erecting of a building. It builds up from a foundation and has substance. And it restores, um, promotes growth in Christian wisdom. Okay. So, so we can see from that and from how we expounded it there that there's something deeper than knowledge alone, right? That that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, okay? All right, we're, we're digging. We're going to get somewhere. There's treasure down there. All right. Okay, so let's read this. Second Peter 1, 5 through 8. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, here we go, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we could be unproductive in our knowledge of Jesus and Jesus is the word, right? All right, so let's keep digging, okay? All right, back to 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. So um, now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know, but the man who loves God is known by God. Okay, so in verse 3, if any man love God, the same is known of him. That's how the King James says it. So right there, love is agape, is known, uh, 
is known. The Greek is to learn, to know, to come to know, uh, to be known. And here's a big one. You guys just bear with me, okay? This is going to sound really weird, but it's going to be awesome. I promise. All right. That word to know is a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. Single person in the room standing right here. (laughs) And I really feel like Holy Spirit told me to teach this. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Intimacy. That's exactly right. It's an intimate thing. Okay. So, um, in the NIV study notes, it says that um, the background of Paul's assertion is very likely... The Old Testament use of the word yada, which is to know. And actually, I learned that from Leah. I got to hear her teach one time. She taught on yada. It was so good. Um, But it's like this deep intimacy, right? Do you have anything to say about that, Leah? Yeah. Be deeply known and respected and to know. Yeah. Okay. So that's that word there. Okay. Okay. Where it says, uh, let me go back to it. If any man love God, the same is known of him. So you're yachted. Okay? All right. So hold on to that. We're going to grab something else, and we're going to put them together, and it's going to be an explosion. Okay. You got holding on to that last thing? You got it? Okay. So now let's look at Matthew 7, 22 through 24. Okay. I'm going to read the King James, but I'm not going to do it in a British accent, okay? Um. It says, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will, um, he will be like a wise man which builds his house on the rock. Okay, guess what word that is for new? When when Jesus said, I never knew you. Yeah, it's the Greek version, but yeah, yada, same one. Same word, isn't that cool? So Jesus said, I never knew you. And guess what? The next verse has a therefore, which is always a flag to me, that there's something important coming, right? If there's a therefore, then what was said previously is therefore, there. It's there, yeah. That's what it's there for. Thanks for laughing. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So those are obviously not randomly together. You know, I think I have probably separated them before. But but they shouldn't be separated it's together. Okay. So whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus, who's the word, is saying this, the spoken word, the rhema, whoever does them, hears them, and does them, will be like the wise man who, who built his house on the rock. And we know the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house and it didn't fall for it was founded upon the rock, right? We all know that verse really well. Okay, so there's a connection between knowing, intimately knowing Jesus, who is the word, and doing the word. Yeah. Knowing Jesus and doing the word. All right. So just a side note, um, 
Actually, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to fast forward. 11 o'clock. Okay, you guys good? All right. Okay, um, verse 3. We're just, we're just going to keep breaking that apart. Um, or 23, sorry. Verse 23, yeah. Okay, um, it says, Depart from me, you who work iniquity. And that sounds really bad, right? Ye that work iniquity. But um, that word for iniquity is um, anomia, and it says the condition of without the law, either one, because of ignorance of it, or two, because of violating it. It's a contempt and violation of law, iniquity, or wickedness. So you can only violate the law by not doing it, or by doing something contrary to that command. Webster's definition of a lawbreaker is a person who violates the law. Um, To violate is to break or disregard. To disregard is to pay no attention to, to treat as unworthy of regard or notice. Um, Or neglect, which is to give little attention or respect to, to leave undone or unattended to, especially through carelessness. Okay. Then I'll profess unto them, I never knew you. I didn't know you intimately. I didn't yada you. Depart from me, you who work iniquity. Right? So if you hear these sayings of mine... And do them, you'll be like the wise man. All right. So depart from me, you work iniquity. You who disregard my word and paid no attention to it. If you treated it unworthy or unregard of notice. Or gave little attention or respect to it or left it undone. If you didn't do it for whatever reason, especially through carelessness. So knowing and doing the word, doing is required for intimacy. Okay. All right. Gonna here. Okay, so we saw that um, that word to know is the uh, Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse, right? Um, <laughs> it's to be a. Uh, but okay, so I was thinking about that. What is that really? What is that act really? It's a covenant act of conception through intimacy that is required for birth and new life. Yeah, I, think so. that was, I think that was the Holy Spirit. A covenant act of conception through intimacy that is required for birth and new life. So, what does it look like? Have intimacy with Jesus in the Word? Looks like doing it. You got it. Single person in the room just made that joke. Can't believe that. Lord, forgive me if that was wrong. I just repent right now. But he gave us that, that to us as a picture, right? It's got it's to be in covenant. You know, uh, man, God, somehow, but I'm just going to share a little bit of my testimony. Somehow, by the grace of God, I'm going to be at that altar as a virgin bride. That is because of the grace of God on my life. You know, I didn't even know God, and he protected me. So for some reason, I didn't even want a boyfriend in fifth grade when all the other girls were, you know? Fifth grade, isn't that crazy? I knew it was crazy then. Um, but you know what, and, and I, um, just be completely honest with you, growing up, so I, I, uh, gave my life to the Lord when I was 16. Um, he, I went to, uh, a Choir of the Fire conference, 
They gave an altar call. <laughs> Betty was there with me. Um, they gave an altar call, and I was, like, filled with this fire. I had never felt anything like it, but it was so real. It was so real. I wasn't going to share this. This is really cool. Um, it was so real, and so I, I had to go down to the front or I was going to explode. <laughs> I was going to completely explode. And so I go down, and I get on my knees, and God speaks to me. And he says, I gave everything for you. I didn't hold back. I gave my whole life for you. Now I want you to give everything to me. And so in that moment, I did. I said yes. I gave him absolutely everything. And, and from that moment, I have never been the same. And, and he since showed me that in that moment, you know, I didn't know how to pray right. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know how to worship right. I didn't know any of that stuff. In that moment, God just wanted me. He just wanted me. He wanted a relationship with me. And so he filled me with this fire and uh, absolutely changed me. From that moment on, I wanted to give him everything. I wanted to live passionately for him. I want to know him. I've got to know him. I have got to know Jesus. There's no other reason to be here than to know the one who created us. (laughs) Than to know To know the bridegroom who's calling for his bride. That's the one reason I'm here. And so I want everything I do to be passionate. I don't care if I look like a crazy person jumping out of time in worship. You know what? I just, it's everything that I can do to release my passion and I'm going to go for it. You know, and so this is so random. I was going to talk about this. I just want to release you guys in worship. We've got a couple more times today and then the rest of your life in your house, in your kitchen, to absolutely release your passion. Absolutely release your passion. God, would you baptize us in contagious passion? Yeah. Baptize us in contagious passion. Oh, Jesus, because we want you. We want you. We want you so much. i got to read this verse now. Okay, check this out in the Amplified. For my deter... I didn't give this to you. Um, my determined purpose... My determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. That's so good. More strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way... I come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, uh, and that I may so share his sufferings as to continually be transformed in, in spirit into his likeness to his death in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. That, that is Philippians 3, 10 through 11 in the Amplified. Oh, so good. That's a refrigerator one right there. Um, okay, so I was talking about my testimony, yeah. Um, so, you know, I gave my life to God when I was 16. And then all of a sudden, I just, like, had this thing in me for purity. It was like, I, like, it was just there. I just wanted to be pure, you know, in every way. I wanted to wait. I didn't want to date until after high school. That wasn't even in my plan. 
you know? Until after I was graduated, I wasn't even going to think about dating. Then I would be available, you know. Um, you know, but I had friends whose dads would, like, take them on these uh, purity dinners or whatever. You know, that's so cool. I, I want my husband to do that if we ever have. Well, he has two girls. Yeah, he can do that. Yes. <laughs> that's already worked out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, whoa, hold on. I just got what you're doing. <laughs> Give me some time. Um. <laughs> now you distracted me. Um, purity things, okay. So their dads would take them on this purity date. I thought that was so cool, you know. And so he would take them, they would dress up in, in their best and look all beautiful and go out. And he would, like, give them a purity ring, you know. And, and like, they would just, like, entrust that to God. It was, like, with the dad and the daughter, giving that to the Lord to, to purpose to be pure, you know, and until their wedding, you know. And, uh, man, I wanted that. I wanted that really bad. And, and I, I um, had some jealousy stuff about that. And then, you know what, God showed me. He said, I did that with you. (laughs) He said, I did that in your heart. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) He did did that in me. Just in my intimate times with him. He put that purity ring on my finger and he wrote it on my heart. He established it in me. That's why. That's why I'm going to be at that altar. As a pure bride. That's so awesome. That just makes me want to get on my face. Because it is absolutely the mercy of God. And he wants that same commitment for us as his bride, right? He wants that same level of purity. He's writing it on our hearts. He's writing it on our hearts through his word. Right? All right. That was totally not what I was going to talk about. Good. Eleven, eleven. Ish. You want me to keep going? Is it okay? Are you guys okay? Need to jump around? Go. Okay. Hope that's not an interval. I will never talk too long. And I'm reaping from it. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so back to my little joke. Identity is in, ju- in doing, right? Identity is in doing the word. And it's right there in James 1, right? Uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Identities in doing the word, right? The word's our mirror. It shows us who we are. It shows me who I'm supposed to be. It shows me who I'm meant to be. It shows me how I walk out that pure 
life to be a pure bride for him. And when I go away from the word, then it says I immediately forget what I look like and I forget who I am. Uh, that word to go away is to go one's way, to go away, depart, um, to go away and follow one as a leader. So I don't want to follow anyone except for God, right? And I do that through doing his word. And you've got to have a relationship with the word. So we know, so that shows identity, or doing is required for identity, and doing is required for intimacy. Does that make sense? Doing the word. Sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's see. It's there somewhere. Um, A covenant act of conception through intimacy that is required for birth and new life. Okay. Okay. Um, And now I'm getting into verses I didn't have time to give them, so I'm sorry they're not on the screen. That's my fault. Okay. Um, All right. uh, 2 Peter 1, 8 through 11 says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them as nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So doing is required to stay grounded in remembering and knowing that you've been cleansed from your past sins. It's required for uh, remembering what Jesus accomplished for you. So just like in James, it's that mirror, right? It reminds us that we look cleansed by Jesus, just like him. All right, so doing is required for remembering our right standing, which is righteousness. Doing is required for confirming our call. It's required to walk in light so we never stumble. It's required for fruitfulness. All right, we're getting close, I think. Um, let's jump to First uh, Samuel 3, 7. Um, it says, this is talking about, Samuel, right? And the Lord continued to appear in Shiloh, and the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh through the word of the Lord. I've never seen that before, but the Lord revealed himself to Samuel through the word of the Lord. Right? And Shiloh is actually a place of rest. That's what that word means. And so the place of rest in Shiloh is where the presence of God was. And it was a city in, in Ephraim where it was the temporary home of the Ark of the Covenant. It's where Samuel grew up. Okay, so we intimately, yada, oh, and that known, obviously, is yada. Any, probably every time I say known, it's yada. You guys can. Okay, so we intimately know God as he reveals himself in our place of rest through his word. All right. And I'm just going to go there again. (laughs) But to me, it seems like there's prophetic symbolism in the fact that the deepest intimacy between a covenant husband and wife is when they lie down and sleep together. 
I was just thinking, I wonder if there's prophetic symbolism there. Because it's a place of rest. That's where intimacy's at. It's where God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. It was in that place of rest. And so we're in that place of rest now. I, um, Hebrews 4, 1 through 11 talks about the Sabbath rest. It talks about the seventh day, you know, when God rested and all that stuff. Well, we're in the seventh day now. Because we don't have to work to earn anything with God. It's, it's absolutely, we receive it. And so we can be in that much rest. You know, I was thinking about in the Old Testament, like on the Sabbath, they didn't do anything. They didn't plow their fields. They didn't, you know, all those little details. Anything that looked like work, they didn't do it. Right? And to me, if we take that to now, we don't have to do anything to work to earn our place with God. Right? That level of not working that they did, (laughs) we can do now. Because we're in the seventh day now. And it's in that place of rest and knowing who we are, keeping our eyes on the mirror of the word, that we can, we can establish and, and build intimacy with God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Alright, so this is, this is very practical, you know. Um, how do I know God? Through his word. Obviously through worship and everything. But we can know God through his word. And I just want to, like, I don't know, tell you ladies that just to maybe pick up your word life. And to to pick that up just as much as you would worship. Because that's how intimacy is developed. That's how we get to know him. And I've learned just in the past couple years, like, when I'm in the word, it's like I'm spending time with God. It's so cool. It's like, man, he's speaking to me. That's so awesome. It's just like we start digging, you know, and getting into it. And so he's going to reveal himself, and it's going to be that that mirror. Okay. I think that's about it. Got lots of other stuff, but I kind of feel like it's done. Let me just make sure. Yeah. I think we're good. So, yeah. kind of crash landed is that okay no i didn't have a concluding paragraph there's no crash landing you're okay. good okay sweet just glide on in there sister all right would you stand please there's a few things that you know kaylin was saying that the holy spirit was just taking me to and reminding me of just some things and you know a lot of things that she's bringing forth is this place of intimacy this place of creation intimately known to intimately know and so first of all i just okay let's just kind of relax a bit okay because a lot of our religious backgrounds say oh you can't talk about sex in the church it's bad nope don't say that word that's bad okay so we're just gonna do this okay it's all right we're all grown-ups we know the birds and the bees okay so most of you are married and if you're not just you know the birds and the bees okay And so I just want, you know, just to kind of get that out. But I just want you to think as women. And if you would, just kind of close your eyes and not just look at me. (laughs) And just close your eyes and just think about the intimate place. An intimacy place, like the place that's opening up. 
And you know, I think women, we really understand intimacy pretty well. And sometimes through difficult circumstances, we know intimacy. Intimacy is a giving. If you think of the bedroom scene, it's a giving, ladies, isn't it? It's where we are giving ourselves to our husband. And we are giving himself and we're opening up to him. It's not a rape, although I know many of us have been there. It's a gentle place where we're giving ourselves, And sometimes, seriously, it's a sacrifice, isn't it? And I want to say in the same place, when we time, when we come into worship, worship is an intimate place that happens in our heart. And when we come into worship and we just open up, we open up to God, we open up our heart and say, God, I'm giving you the best place in my heart. I give you the best place. And and one thing about, you know, just this passion we're talking about, we're talking about intimacy. And, and with passion, you know, with the man and a woman who love each other, they don't connect. Okay, this is bad. Just bear with me. I'm sorry. But, you know, in order to for affection, there's touch, isn't there? You know, it's not like you stay on your side of the room, I'll stay on my side of the room, I love you. You know, with with the Holy Spirit, there's interaction. And sometimes it, the reaction on our part is the lifting of our hands. When we're lifting of our hands, we're receiving. We're receiving. It's like an it's like a open um, symbolism of I am receiving you, Jesus, Holy Spirit. I am receiving you. You know, when our children come up, I said this earlier. My children, I, you know, uh, that I've had, they come up and they want me to hold them. They're like, Mom. Or they're like, Dad, will you hold me? Will you hold me? Will you just love me? And so I'm wondering if we can just start some worship real quick. And I just really want to want us just to open ourselves up. And it's a very vulnerable place because I know a lot of us aren't used to this. And I want you just to open yourself up and say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to know you intimately. I want to know you intimately. He wants you to know him intimately. He wants to know you intimately. And that's not an embarrassing thing. Hallelujah. And sometimes we have things that we need to give. We need to give up in order to enter that intimate relationship, don't we? Sometimes there's things that we have to lay down that are hindering us from intimacy. Sometimes it's our heart. We just, we're scared. You know, we we don't want to be hurt. Sometimes there's a certain way of life that we've been living that you know, just hinders that intimacy, right? It's just like, oh, but if I love Jesus, it means this. It's a giving. Like he gave it all. And we're going to return that. We're going to give it all. Mm-hmm.